You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, I'm Johnny Kreiss and you're listening to Drinks with Johnny. Today we continue part two of my chat with punk rock legend Mr. Joe Escalante of the Vandals. We cover how the band got Josh Freeze to join them, Disneyland, Fat Mike at Summer Camp, Warren Fitzgerald, and his champagne bottle trick, and much, much more. So without further ado, I bring you Joe Escalante, part two. All right, let's, let's get back to the Vandal saga, if you will. Um, you got your... Yeah, so we're about to get Josh Freeze. Yeah, and and where did you guys meet Josh Freeze? I, I, know, well, a little, uh, I know a little bit about yeah. this. Um, it go, it kind of goes back to growing up in Southern California, right? Yeah, we were living... Quackenbush and I were living in um, Old World Village. The Old World Huntington yeah, Beach. Yeah, which is still there. It yeah, still has Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest is happening yeah. right now, yeah, as a matter right of now. fact. I went to Oktoberfest Big Bear last Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah, up in the mountains, um, you know, where the real Germans are. <laughs> yeah, that's where they are. Not in Germany, yeah. in Big Bear. Yeah. This is like, there's just war criminals in hiding up there. Uh, so we had annual passes to Disneyland in 1988, 89. Okay. We, we had annual passes, which cost back then, with no blackout dates or anything, one hundred and twenty-five dollars, dude. That's less than like the rate if you just go in for the day. For right one now. day, that's, that's less than one day now. <laughs> that's fucking insane. I just got like annual because my son's two. Obviously, right, now I you gotta like, have I, one. I, gotta, I gotta have an you annual pass. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't even want to say how much I spent on that shit. Yeah, one hundred and twenty-five dollars, and for us it was a lot of money. I go, you want to do this, Dave? I, and we'll just go there, and we were like, like maybe place to pick up chicks. <laughs> it turned out it wasn't because all the chicks are with their parents, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, at that point, they you don't know, know their phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's dirty, man. <laughs> I, I dig that. I dig that one right there. That's that's a solid one. Um, so uh, we would go. What we would do basically? It's not like we were like, "Hey, let's go to Disney Lab." Is that what to do? <laughs> I mean, we're like, uh, "We'll cruise down there. We'll uh, go on a couple rides." And check out and the chicks and the bands, and then we'll head up the five to LA. Yeah, and go be you know some punk show. So that's what we were doing. Yeah, and that was that was the day in the life. Yeah, and uh, I was at that point. I'm in the between college and law school, working as substitute teacher in the Long Beach district. So I still run into a lot of people. that are like, hey, you were my substitute one day, but we were. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you were a substitute teacher. Yeah, we like during in between. College and law school, I got to make some money, you know. Yeah, and the vandals and substitute teaching. That was yeah, that was two jobs, two jobs. Well, being the vandals not a job. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I get Back that. But I mean, what were you? What were you substitute teaching? What what grade? Uh, I started out in junior high, and then I just went mostly high school. Uh, a lot of special ed, and then I got a permanent job at Long Beach Poly, uh, doing English. Oh wow! And I was the debate coach. The- so then you were actually using that Norse by while well, you were teaching English. You, <laughs> no, okay. Oh, I tried, I, I, I tried you, something there. And no, I, had, no, no. I had one class of Bible as literature. In those Bible days, as literature. at a okay. public school, they could teach Bible as literature. Okay. But they probably can't do that anymore. I, de- I, I, I don't think that works that yeah. way anymore. So uh, I'm doing that, and we're going to Disneyland, and then we, we see the band pop out of the uh, Tomorrowland stage uh, called Polo. 
I mean, some of these is just hilarious to me. They're playing, it's kids, 12 to 15 years old about, and they're playing um, new covers, you know, Huey Lewis in the News and Michael Jackson. Fantastic. Maybe some Billy Idol and they get really edgy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two drummers and these little kids, you know, and they're super talented. Because it's just Disneyland quality. Yeah, absolutely. They got groupies, and we start, and the, and, and it became we became groupies. Yeah. Like, All right, let's go do this and make sure like Polo's playing at you know four fifteen. It becomes sure a, yeah. Like, it started out as like I'm just gonna check this out, yeah. kind of as a joke, and then next thing you know, you're actually intrigued by this, watching it and hoping to meet them. You know, I mean, <laughs> what, what? it's kind of the definition of a groupie. Yeah, right? no, that's that, you, you nailed it. So we saw. And I've told this story a million times, but it's still good, I think. We think this drummer is so good. They got a rock drummer, then they got a new wave drummer, which is brilliant. You yeah. Know, rock drummer, fully, just acoustic, big kick drum. Um, and what, what, what's a new wave drummer? Just uh, uh, Electronic drums. Something like this. Just like that thing. And he wears, the other guy's like full rock and roll outfit, like maybe a leather vest. And then the new wave guy is wearing a, um, he's got like a mullet, you know, poodle top hairdo, a blazer, a necktie, but no shirt. Oh. Think about that. Wow. Put that image in your mind. <laughs> and so, um, but we're just mainly concentrating on the rock guy because we're a punk band. So we're watching the guy and we're, and, and, and we're watching him over and over. And we're like, we need a drummer. Just fantasizing. Can you yeah. imagine what we could do with that guy? But we never thought it could And you said, you said like, they're like, like, Twelve-year-olds in this band too. How old? How old was Josh at this time? The Josh when you, when this you're time, when you're watching. Josh at this time is fifteen. Okay. And um, he played there from the age of twelve to sixteen or about. Or, and um, then we um, we go on our merry ways, trying to figure out what we're going to do about a drummer. And we have an interim drummer who's a good friend of ours named Chris Lagerborg. Uh, he passed mm-hmm. away. Uh, just super guy. Yeah. Um, but he um, was he knew he was the interim interim drummer. We okay. were still looking. And it's like when a coach, you know, gets fired and they bring in yeah, the Yeah, they bring in the guy and they're like, like, yeah, they're, and they're like hey, yeah. <laughs> hold down the fort, yeah, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so someone tells us that drummer from Polo is in a band called like Bitch Funky Sex Machine. Fantastic. Or Twisto name. Frumpkin. I can't even remember which of these which of these bands it was. I don't know which one I like better. Yeah, they were about uh, whatever. They were I, 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 if there's if neither one of those is yeah. actually the name of the band, someone it's, needs to make it's one, one of those no, bands. it's one of the two. It's one of the two. And then uh, so someone says that guy that guy from the band is in that band, and we're like, wait, that band like opens for us, so he could he could be in our band. Yeah. So we we uh, Dave uh, and Warren. Because Warren is now Warren joins the band. I didn't really get into that. Okay, yeah. Well, we got, we'll, we'll we'll circle back. We'll okay, put so Tarantino we'll, this. All right. So Warren's yeah. <laughs> Warren's in the band, and and he and Dave go to see the band Twisto Frumpkin Bitch Funky Sex Machine. I can't remember which one it was <laughs> that Josh way, is playing awesome. in. Yeah. So he goes and and, and sees him and corners him. Yeah. They both do. Uh, to 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 try to get this guy to play in the Vandals. I could wait before we go. I could just imagine. So I've only met you guys since 2003, and you're saying this is back in 88, 89. Yeah. Um, I know Warren, I know Dave, I know you, I know Josh. Um, I can only imagine 15, 16-year-old 15, Josh being cornered by, Yeah. You know, uh, how old is Dave and Warren at this time? Like, like, like what, 20s? Yeah, in the mid-20s. I mean, I, got, I, I, got, I, I kind of feel for Josh at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, so we we didn't know what to expect so they go find him and they come back I got good news and I got bad news I'm like because I'm like how did it go Dave and I live in Old World together we're roommates in Old World mm-hmm. and I go how did it go what, what, what did he say and he goes well the good news is he's willing to play on our record because we had a record that was about to be produced by uh, Bob Casali from Devo oh wow so this is Fear of a Punk Planet it was a coup because we got a member of. A, I mean, we got a real recording budget. Yeah. Sw- like one of these guys in Devo is needs some money for producing a record. <laughs> you know, and it turned out to be Bob Casali. There you go. I asked Mark Mothersbaugh. I okay. met him at an art gallery. Uh, and then where he, he had and his he art. You, and then and you could corner like, a guy at an art gallery. Yeah if, he, yeah. if he's the artist. Yeah. Will you reproduce our record? No, but Bob Casali will. <laughs> so Bob Casali is producing our record. Cool. And um, so that was the enticing thing. He said, yes, he'll play on our record. 
I go, well, what's the bad news? The bad news, it's not the rock guy, it's Electronic Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> it's Electronic, the one you weren't looking at at all. Not paid attention to. The one we were mocking. The one with Furiously. The, the one with the tie without the shirt. Yeah, the tie and the blazer without the shirt and the mullet, the, the poodle thing. <laughs> that is That's so the new cool. drummer of the Vandals. <laughs> Oh, but no, no, you're you're bummed out about it, but not bummed out about it enough to go. Well, we don't want him. No, it wasn't a deal breaker, but <laughs> but it was of concern. I go, okay, well, all right, let's get him. You're over. like, I haven't really listened to him. I've been listening to the rock guy the yeah. whole time. Is I'm, he actually any good? No, I knew the guy was good. Okay. but it was just it. like I mean, I everyone knows Josh is fucking yeah, good. Yeah, I couldn't. If he, you've he, ever heard him play, he he was better than the other guy, but you didn't notice because you're punk and you're like, well, that's a different world. That guy's from another planet. And how could he? How could he possibly play? Rock. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we were just, okay, let's get him over to practice. So his mom, Trish, drives him to practice, and we play with him. And, you know, he had some demo tapes to work off of, and then then we play. And then um, with the guy, the interim drummer in the room, we had to watch the whole thing. That's kind of uh, that's kind of cruel. Yeah, it was cruel. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want yeah. <laughs> if I want to be there when my replacements and, and are, ju- are gunning for the job. At the end of the first rehearsal, his mom picks him up, drives him away, and we uh, sit around and we're just like looking at each other. And I go, "Well, here's my prediction. I'm going to say for the rest of our lives, we're going to be running around looking for people to tell that we played." in a band with this guy at one point in our lives. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we do. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say, that's, that sounds like a, that was a little, that was a little Nostradamus of you. That's yeah. absolutely true. So yeah. I said, I go, I think this is what we're going to do. I don't know no, what's going to happen. Do. I don't know what's going to happen to our band. Because at that point, I'd already um, uh, been accepted to law school. You know, I was turning my life around in a different direction. Making a record just for no, we didn't care. We're just making it for fun. Yeah. And then um, I go, well, I think, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that, that we're all going to be running around telling people we were in a band with this one guy, this guy at one point in our lives. Yeah. And, and can, I can't believe this 30 years later, he's still in the friggin' band. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, what, it's, what it is. Except for a couple of times when you uh, now borrow, who Brooks is Wackerman. now our charge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when you borrow him, you know. Right, right. But, but he knows that, that um, he's warming up. He's keeping Josh's seat warm. Exactly. He does know that, yeah. But we, ha- the band wasn't, even when we got him, we thought we were uh, kind of just making a record for fun. Big deal. I'm going to law school. We're all going, you know, we've got our paths. But that's the way the band always has stayed, where it's not a, a real band with an agenda to get to some level. It's just for friends. Like, what do you want to do? You want to play the show? It's in like three months. Now shows are a year away, uh, yeah. you probably know. Um, and now it's like, do you want to, you know, your agent's saying, okay, we've got to talk about 2020. And, you know, but still, uh, yeah, everybody's still doing it. It's also, that, that's part of what's been fascinating to me for your guys' career in the Vandals. Uh, growing up uh, as a punk rock fan um, and just going through all the bands in Southern California. I was in middle school when I started getting into punk. Uh, actually, you know what? What, what is this middle school, school you're talking about? What's no, it called? Uh, I went to Mesa View Middle School. Where's that? It's in Huntington Beach. It's off of Golden West and Slater. Golden West It's actually where most of the guys in the Vince Unfold went through. Um, a couple years before me. And I think, actually, I correct myself. It was actually fifth grade when I started listening to Rancid and No Effects. And that was mm-hmm. right, my first... Introduction into into punk rock. It's so interesting to me because when I was in fifth grade, there was not even a thing called punk rock. Yeah, no, I. So it's like it's fat. I I don't know what I would have you know been like or whatever. So fifth yeah, grade, yeah. I was listening to, but I had a good. I had an older brother that you know got into. Uh, yeah, an older brother gave you the Ramones record. He gave me the Ramones record, right? Yeah. My older brother gave me, uh, and now come the wolves, I believe. Oh no, let's go. And now come the wolves. I found on my own. He gave me Let's Go. By and that same brother took me to see David Bowie's Diamond Dogs tour in <clears throat> when I'm 11. So I was listening to that, like th- through him. David Bowie, Mott the Hoople. That's awesome. And uh, Sparks. <sighs> I love Sparks. Sparks. That was, I'm, I'm in fifth grade. Sixth grade, seventh Dude, grade. we went to, they did uh, the Sparks 
as an orchestra. Kimono over. My House in the orchestra? Kimono My yeah. At the Ace Theater? Oh, yeah. I was there. You were there? Yeah. How the hell did we not see each other? I don't know. I was there with Brian. And Morrissey was in our row. Did you? Maybe did it, they did a couple. Nights. They did, they might they have did multiple, multiple nights. nights. Yeah. They, did, they did multiple nights. Now, I just remember going in that theater. That was the first time I was ever in that theater, by the way. That gothic look was fucking gorgeous. But uh, yeah, that was an incredible thing. The Vandals used to go into silent movies in that theater. That's how Really? Yeah. No. And on that note, I want to mention something else. It's October. Fall is here. Halloween is around the corner. It's my favorite time of year. And I'm in a good mood. So from now till November 1st, I'm giving you free shipping on all your Drinks With Johnny merch purchases. That's right. Head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and use promo code CHEERS to receive free shipping on all orders placed through Halloween. That's drinkswithjohnny at D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-J-O-H-N-N-Y.com. Promo code C-H-E-E-R-S to receive free shipping on all your orders. The holidays are just around the corner and they always seem to come up faster than you realize it. So get ahead of them and head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and get your orders in now. Cheers. All right. <laughs> is this my wife texting me, you think? Oh, because she saw my car in the garage. Oh, so she probably, she came home and was like, what's going yeah. on? Okay. So you don't actually communicate with your wife is what you're telling me. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth, Johnny. I've been married 23 years. If someone's sending you a car to do a podcast, you don't tell your wife because then she's like, wait. <laughs> They're sending you a car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, this is, this is good wisdom for everyone listening. This yeah. is great wisdom. Two things could happen. Number one, she might want to come with you. Because, uh, oh, there's a car. Yeah. I don't want to get in the car. Let's get in the car. Yeah. And it's not, she's not going to have any fun here. You know, your wife is asleep. Yeah. And, or number two, she could um, just worry. He's sending you a car. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to drink that much. And then, you know. It's not, so, a, it's not about how much you drink. This is the reason why I do this, just so everyone knows. We're going to do a little PSA right here, real quick. <laughs> it's not about how much you're going to drink here at Drinks with Johnny. It's about being smart about it, doing the right thing, even if you're only going to have a couple of drinks, which, you know, yeah. we probably only have a couple of drinks, maybe a little bit more. But the whole point of it is to be smart about it. It's not that hard just to get someone else to drive a DD of some kind. There's no reason to drive after more than... Maybe one drink, whatever it is. Unless you think you can get away with it and save a couple of bucks. <laughs> that is the worst advice. That is the last thing you're supposed to do. <laughs> this PSA brought to you by Joe Escalante. <laughs> so, now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so we got Josh Freeze. Now here Josh we are Freeze. today, 30 years yeah. later, it's the same band. and We're, just, we're more of a men's club. <laughs> so yeah so that's what i do now all right so where are we at so right let, let's tarantino we already got into uh josh joining mm-hmm. the band let's go back to uh our good friend warren who played uh, a guitar solo for us um on our punk rock version of runaway by del shannon i remember when did he did you that. hear that there, yes there, i there, did okay and, and i i he, you know he's very lucky to have done that i hope he appreciates it <laughs> I'm gonna eat a cracker. No, no, no. We were we were lucky to have him. No, no. honestly, we were lucky to have him. It was it was kind of perfect. The the way that we had structured the song uh, was very much an uh, an homage to a Vandal style of it. And when we when we were going for a guitar solo, Brian uh, Sinister Gates was doing guitar solos, and he was just like, you know, maybe we should ask uh, Warren if uh, if he could come out and 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 do it. And it worked out really great for us. Very smart. So how did Warren? Uh, come into your life. Okay, so we have uh, Nils, who's our guitar player. He started the band. Mm-hmm. But he stops. He's going through some relationship stuff, and he stops coming to our tours, basically, is to make a long story short. And our tours back then were like, you're going to you're going to play Tucson and Phoenix, and then yeah. you're going to come home. And that was a big deal for us, playing Tucson and Phoenix, and we had developed those towns. You could, there's no strategy back then. There's no agent. There's no manager. But you're like, wow, we've really played Phoenix so many times. We're kind of getting big there. Tucson, we're getting big, and we have friends there. And oh, the scene, we know it. And, and I don't want to romanticize Tucson too much, but picture this. Since we're talking drinks with Johnny, we used to play this place called the Dewdrop Inn. Dewdrop no, Inn. No, okay. Stumble Inn. Sorry, Stumble Inn. Dewdrop Inn is like. Probably from the Golden Girls episode, you know, 132 or something. I mean, it must have fallen in, in your subconscious while you were watching it. It might uh, be the Waltons. But um, 
the Stumble Inn in Tucson. Okay. Used to um, mixed drinks when we played there. Sixty-five cents. Say, I mean, we're not too far from when, like, you know, here's a nickel. Uh, give me a whiskey. <laughs> I mean, that's in that's Tucson. that's that's. That's fucking Deadwood style. Yeah, like. it's Deadwood style. <laughs> 65 cents on a regular night. It's like, how much is that? So that's 65 cents, please. And what year is this? This is 1982. Jesus fucking Christ. I was 60, born in the wrong era. 65 cents. And there was a night at the Stumble Inn where it was, I think it was $5, drink all night. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you just can't do that anymore. <laughs> I would love a place that would let me drink all night for five fucking dollars. But sixty-five cents that is for such a, a fucking liability. And then you're such a you're such a kid. You're ordering um, screwdrivers because that's all you know. And by the way, the drinking age is nineteen. Uh, is, that, is that when it's still state to state? Yeah. So there, they had oh. theirs was nineteen. Hey, I'm nineteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, nineteen, nineteen eighty-two. I'm nineteen. I turned nineteen. So where I mean it's a fantasy. Anyone doing math, you just figured out how old Joe was. Yeah, and then we uh, so I can drink. It's sixty five cents for a mixed drink. It's uh, it's a paradise. A pizza is like you know a giant pizza. Guess what? It's still the same price they are today. Because back then pizzas were very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's only only up. recently, booze is sixty five cents. <laughs> Only recently, pizzas became cheap. When I was a kid growing up, pizzas were very expensive. Cause pizza still oven, expensive, dude. Some, pizza certain oven. places. Well, you go to Caesars, so you're going to get a $5 pizza. Yeah, nothing wrong with a hot and ready. You're going to get it. You know what? You're getting a time machine. By the way, we're looking for sponsors. Hot and ready. Hot and ready. Let's get, let's get it going, little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street. Or get a time machine and go back to Tucson in 1982. Get a pizza for five dollars, <laughs> uh, which was astronomical. <laughs> uh, no, you know it was it was cheap then too. But uh, yeah, so back then we were you know we we're going to these places. Uh, so stop showing up for these these glorious Phoenix trips. Nils, yeah. Nils, yeah. So he stopped showing up. It was really weird when someone doesn't show up for a tour. Yeah. It was like the one thing you're like, you know, we don't have, we don't require Don't show up for rehearsal. Lot. Yeah. We don't require a lot yeah. here at the Vandals, but maybe showing up for the gigs yeah. would and be one of those and, things. And like I said, but there's no cell phones back then. You're yeah. calling everywhere. You can't find them. But we kind of all know what it was. He was with his girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after a while we thought, I think he's trying to it's tell us something. Girl. So girl. we were getting, yeah, we were getting substitute guys. We would get Dan Root from the, he was in the adolescence now. And mm. we get uh, Robbie Allen, who was, uh, who's a legend in the Long Beach world. He used to sing backups with Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he was in a band called Thermidor, like a major label band. All that, this guy. Uh, Tender Fury with Jack Grisham. Oh, okay. This guy, Robbie Allen. So he, we would get him, get Dan Root. You know, we were scrambling for guitar players. Like last minute to yeah. play these shows. I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah, it was nuts. So we were trying to, we were thought that Jan's trying to tell us something. He doesn't want to be in the band anymore. After a lot of soul searching, we get Warren to play at the same time because this guy's not showing up. So we get Warren. How do we find Warren? A metal art country club right near here. <laughs> I know exactly where that is. Yeah. And they actually have punk shows there all the time. This is like the dark ages of the Vandals when we're like playing 21, over, 21 and over bars up and down Warner Avenue. Uh, yeah, they had, they had like liquid lounge on there and stuff. We had, like uh, what did we have? Uh, uh, night moves and the, and uh, spats, and which is in like off of Algonquin. Right, yeah. Um, um, and the uh, Duke of Huntington. Duke of Huntington. Yeah. So, uh, this is, this is that, 21 and over places. This is yeah. dark times. Yeah, I know. I, I, 
I don't remember them by those names, but I can tell you that there all those places were had switched names by the time I was I was yeah, coming you're too around young for this. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we uh, we seen Warren playing with a band called um, Doggy Style. He was in a couple bands, Doggy Style and Double Freak. Hmm. And he was in a band called Don't Know. Were were both these bands named by him? No. He no. just he's a guitar player for hire. Okay. So we see him with one of these bands, and he's wearing a freaking dinosaur suit, and he's playing a wireless guitar. I've never seen a wireless guitar. Th- that is that is pretty. At this point, I've never seen yeah. one. This man's on a wireless guitar at the Metal Art Country reason, Club, right? jumping on people's cocktail tables while they're trying to have drinks, and he's jumping on them and playing guitar leads in a dinosaur suit. This, yeah, this is, the, this is the golf course here. It's a golf course. I mean, it's a punk show, but it's 21 and over punk show, and people are like wearing, it's the 80s, they're wearing their like, you know, 80s hairdos, and they're trying to have a date, and he's on their table in a dinosaur suit playing a, a guitar lead in their friggin' face. <laughs> and I go, okay, we have to get this guy in our band. I don't care. Let's get him. We already have a guitar player. We'll have two guitar players. So for a, for a, a um, brief period, we had two guitar players. Um, we thought Nils could um, didn't want to be in the band. Yeah. We honestly thought he didn't want to be in the band. But he wanted us to, to like do something about it because he had this relationship issue. And so he didn't want to be. So he wanted. So we we're just like, okay, uh, it's over. And then he then he got kind of mad and it got kind of ugly. So he got mad. So yeah, he got kind of mad. He didn't. So he he did want to be. He in the band. did. He did want to be in the band. Why wouldn't you want to be in a band that you don't have to? You don't have to show up to when you when you don't. I want mean, to. that sounds like a great gig to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it got ugly. Ironed itself out, and then we had one tour lined up in Europe that we couldn't that that Warren couldn't do because he had some other band. He was just still like working out things with his other band. So we did one tour in between at this time with a guy named Greg Davis who was in a band called Blood on the Saddle, which is like a cowpunk band, a legendary L.A. cowpunk band. We, okay. we went to Europe for four months with this guy. and uh, Four months in Europe? Yeah. In those days, you go to Europe, you think it's the only time you're ever going to be in Europe. You really do. Four months in now, Europe. Let me, let me That's that backtrack a little bit. We played tough, two man. weeks. We, we did two weeks of shows getting out to New York before we... So it's really only three and a half months in Europe. But still, I mean, that's a long time. You're playing it. every single bold city on a map, like any city written in bold. That is a long you're playing, time, man. Yeah, and half of that's in Germany. So you're like, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, especially, and this is before cell phones at this time as well. Yeah, no cell phones. No cell phones. No like yeah. I mean, the first time I was in Europe, I remember it was crazy to have one of those prepaid cards and I was using it, yeah. scratching it off. Oh, yeah. Doing that whole it's before that. thing. I remember one time I go, I got to make a call to the States because I have to warn bad religion about this tour company because <laughs> they were freaking Nazis. <laughs> like, literally? Yeah, literal Nazis. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, this is so bad. I mean, I woke up every morning like, hey, Mexican Catholic, won't you wake up and go to sound check, you know? And I'm like, and I go, wait till bad, bad. bad religion is full of Jews. Yeah. I got to warn them. Yeah. I, I, I gotta let people know. Yeah. So you couldn't. You know, yeah, it's like I, you gotta, I, got, I got my one phone call. Uh, I gotta oh, let me t- let me tweet that this co- company is full of Nazis. You know, no, you had to like. I'm just trying to. How am I going to figure out this stupid European phone so I can call Brett Gerwitz and tell him these guys are freaking Nazis? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, we did that without Warren, and then we got back, and it was Warren. All then from then on, it was just Warren, 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 and now yeah. it's Warren, and then we get Josh. And it's Warren, Josh, Dave, and Joe from 1989 until 2019. That's 30 years of this. That's incredible. Yeah, these are you know. Well, it's it's, it's a, more incre- it's it's incredible when you think of the fact that um, there was so much change up to that point. You know what I mean? Well, we thought it was going to be over uh, so many times, and then we're like, all right, well, we, you know what? With this kid, is going to go into the studio with the guy from Devo. We're going to make a record. Let's just do yeah. it. it. Doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, I'm going to law school anyway, so I'm not going to do anything. But the record came out so good to us, Fear of a Punk Planet, because of the just the great record. No one cared about whether it was going to be good or not. And it was just great. And so we loved it. And so we thought, let's tour it a little bit. And then I'm in law school. I had to take a couple weeks off of law school. Uh, I had people taking notes from me. And then somehow it worked out. We had a tour with the. with the Buzzcocks. Oh, the Buzzcocks. Okay. Yeah. 
because we had uh, we got an agent at that point. There was an agent named Andy Summers, who was still an agent, still the agent for Pennywise today. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I don't know how I pulled this off, but I go, okay, I got a friggin' agent finally. In, yeah. Now you're not now, having to do it all yourself. Yeah, and I don't even. Why? Why now? We have an agent, so we got this agent. Andy Summers, uh, so cool of him to take us on because he heard the record. Mm-hmm. He goes, "This is a good record." So he goes, "I got you a Buzzcocks tour." So we did the Buzzcocks tour, and um, that didn't. We got kicked off the Buzzcocks tour. How'd you get kicked off the Buzzcocks tour? Long story short, these stories is getting too long. No, it's okay. We uh, that's why I put it in Pro Tools later. Okay, here's the story <laughs> of us. So I'm in law school. Take uh, also we could we could we could two part this. Okay, good. <laughs> I could I could do whatever I want. All right. Later. Okay, <laughs> you already signed it. I could do Buzz whatever Cox. I want with it later. <laughs> So I can't believe it. Buzzcocks, one of my favorite bands of all time ever in the world ever to this day. I go, wow, this is so awesome. Maybe they're a little past their prime, you know? So I'm like, and the whole scene is kind of like, it's not so great in any form. And nothing's nothing's going that great mm-hmm. anywhere. There's, this is before Green Day and The Offspring and Rancid and even No Effects at this point. No Effects mm-hmm. is a terrible band at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good, but I don't know yet. Yeah, no, 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 no one because knows. Because they were terrible. Because yeah. I know them. I can tell you plenty of no effect stories. Terrible, terrible, terrible band. They'll admit this themselves. Yeah. Um, but then they got great. Uh, but at this point, you know, there's there's nothing really going on. So we make a record we don't care. But all of a sudden the record turns out great. So we get this tour with the Buzzcocks. We go up. It's just a West Coast tour up to Canada and back. And, and we make two shows at the, um, the big money is the two shows at the Palace Theater, now the Avalon in Hollywood with the Buzzcocks. So we're all excited about it. We get there, and as soon as we get there, it's the same thing. Every time we played with any of our idols, whether it was the Damned or the Ramones, we're treated like crap. Mm, and then you That's guys, a shame. And you, and, you, and you just like so bummed, and you're like, well, if Dave Vanian and Joey Ramone knew what they were doing to us, he would save us. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's not the reality. Yeah. So we, first they start telling us, you have too many merchandise items. Okay. And so you got you got to cut it down to one, but this is a, we're only making two hundred fifty dollars a show, so yeah, we've got like how do you get from a, one show to the big, next show? Yeah, it wasn't that big of a threat. So yeah. we needed we needed that merch money, and then they do this to us, and they're just kind of like everything. Then they then they they smuggled their merchandise into Canada, and they got caught, and then we didn't get caught. Yeah, because because we did. declared <laughs> our merchandise, we declared it. Yeah, you we declared, went to the thing, yeah. we declared it. So well, you always remember. The, I mean, I always remember the stories of back in the day. Certain band, certain people try it, certain people don't. You try it different times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We knew enough to declare it, mm-hmm. so we declared it, and then everything was um, fine. We thought, and then we got to the the place in Vancouver where the show was, and their tour manager comes up to me and says, "You owe us eighty dollars." And I'm like, "What? Huh? You know, I can't. We can't even sell all our merchandise and all that stuff. Everything's torture." And I'm like, "Eighty dollars for what?" Because we were fined. On the way in here, $160 because of our merchandise, so you need to pay half of that. <laughs> That's some logic right yeah. there. And I'm just like, you know what, dude? You are, uh, you are off your friggin' rocker, and we're not paying it. You know, big fight. Yeah. And then I go, well, he goes, okay, you're off the tour because we don't pay extortion. Yeah. And then um, we're off the tour. After that show, that we were it. kicked off the tour. So mm. we go to the next tour, which is in uh, Victoria Island, we go to the next tour to conf- to try to get some help from the Buzzcocks. We, go, we can talk to the Pete Shelley will save us. Yeah. Um, Dingle, whatever his name, <laughs> the bass player, <laughs> he'll save us. Um, <laughs> so we, we go there, and we're on where we're you know we're not allowed in, but we find him on the street and we ask him, hey, well, we got kicked off the tour for this thing, and they go, well, that's not what we were told. No, 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 you weren't kicked off the tour for not paying that money. We don't even know about the money. You're kicked off the tour because Warren. They don't know his name. Your guitar player backstage uh, masturbated into a uh, champagne bottle backstage, and there were children back there. <laughs> and there were children back there. Why would... <laughs> that is a legendary story. So number one... Which part of that is Pete true? Shelley. <laughs> there was only one 12-year-old back there. <laughs> and he was gone. By the time the incident took yeah, place. Yeah, he was out of there. And the incident was evidently so entertaining, your drummer 
who was the drummer of the Smiths, also. He was so stoked when Warren did this trick with the champagne bottle that he um, gave him five dollars. <laughs> he He's just like, I got to, I got to. He didn't know what to do. He, he was so stoked at this trick. He gave him five dollars, and he didn't really masturbate. He just did some trick. Well, what, describe the trick then. It was I, a I, trick with a dollar and a, and a champagne bottle, and it's all a weird stuff. And it used to be, like you know, those is the the old days when when. Um, you know, when everyone's crazy backstage, he had some weird trick, and it would just like kind of drive every woman out of the backstage. <laughs> you would want to, you'd want to finish that one. They would drive every woman crazy, but no, no. drove every woman is, out of the. This backstage. was his style. His style was drive every woman out of the backstage, except for one, who came back. Can I see that again? Ugh. It's a done deal. Yeah. No. See how that works? Yeah. No, yeah. he was he was fishing. Yeah. He was fishing, fishing in the in the right direction. Anyway, Mike, the uh, the drummer, uh, he was so stoked. He gave him he gave him five bucks, and then so we're like, no, 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 no. Your drummer, your drummer gave him five dollars for that. Yeah. And they're like, Arr. so we um, are kicked off. We have to drive. It's Thanksgiving. They kicked us off on Thanksgiving. We couldn't get a hold of the agents. <sighs> Everyone's gone. So we drive home. But on the way back, we stop at the theater where we're playing in Seattle with the Buzzcocks, and we go, let's sell merchandise in the line out front. <laughs> so we set up a table and we sold merchandise on the street out in front and told everyone the story that walked in. So they're all wearing Vandal's hats. Now we have all this merchandise oh, that we weren't allowed to sell before where we can sell all of it. Yeah, because you'd sell it, yeah. yeah. And then we had already changed the sign on the marquee. It, it said the Buzzcocks and we changed it to the Wuzcocks. <laughs> all right then. So and now that, that you can look at on, on, on YouTube. There's a you video see, of us changing the sign to the West okay. Coast. Okay. Well, we definitely got to check that out. Right. Yeah. All anyway. Right. So now. That's Warren. That's and, Warren. And, that's Warren. Yeah, Warren's in the band. And yeah, I mean, the rest of it is just like you just keep playing shows until the Warped Tour starts. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, you quit your job. And the Offspring come and the Green Day comes. and oh, it was huge. And then Everything and then you, you quit your job and you you just chase it. Yeah. And, and you have a great time. Yeah. Before we get into the Warped Tour and all that stuff, though, I, I wanted to talk about Got 30 years of that lineup um, before that, even the Vandals Forever. How long have you had this next wine that we're trying, the Vandals Vineyard wine? <laughs> Our own wine. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I wish I could use this podcast to uh, sell more of that wine, but we just made 64 cases and, and it all went in a matter of minutes. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to try this because I, I, I texted you earlier and I was like, man, I tried to go buy some and it was obviously already yeah, sold you- out and it couldn't happen. So I was like, hey, I know a guy. <laughs> and that's really the only reason why I had you on here. I wanted to try this, no, this wine, Joe. Well, it's very. It's really the only way. <laughs> so let's let's get this poured out. Right. Tell me, it's it's basically uh, we tried a bunch of, of of different wines, and I wanted to start. I want to make some wines. I want to start with a Cabernet because Cabernet is like the most, you know, plentiful grape in the world or whatever. It's it's. I figure we have a better chance, and then I've I've always enjoyed the. The California Cabernets, mm-hmm. and I thought I could. I've tasted enough of them where I could pick out a good one. So we picked up. We we tasted a bunch, and when you do something like this, all you're doing is tasting other people's grapes, and they're saying, "Okay, I find one. Give me sixty four cases of that and put this label on it." Yeah, not different than if you were getting married and you would want to have a a bottle at every table with Johnny and Lacey. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming. The same thing. Yeah, so it's totally. not it's not a big deal, but um, we did our best. The only problem is, after you pick it out, it's so long until you actually get it that you have no idea if, if it's, it's the same yeah, one. If it changed or anything like that, yeah, yeah. No idea. Yeah. So the the feedback we've got on it are, um, oh, it's good enough, and in two years it'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let's let, let's get down on it. I like it. It's good enough. It's good enough. That's what, that's why I call it. Is it good? It's good enough. It's good enough. It's, it is good enough. Because it's very hard to make. I mean, very hard to choose and very hard to get it. Yeah. Like... I, I haven't gone through that process. I mean, this is... It's wine, man. It's wine, it, right. It, it tastes good. It's not... It's, it's there's not, nothing defensive about right, it. Right, right. I think, I think that's what we can, we can hope for because you're really... I mean, you're... I mean, why is someone selling you this wine, this grapes and stuff? They're, they're not selling it to you because it's the most award-winning, you know... 
thing in the world. No, they're, they're not going to they're going to give that away. <laughs> yeah, they're selling it to go. Well, this is pretty good. We could sell it and, and they might come yeah, back for there's more. No, there's nothing offensive and about it. And we would it. go this back is... we would go back to the same vineyard. It's in Buellton. It's in Santa Barbara County. Okay. I'll go Santa back Barbara's there. Where you guys are. Okay. If we would do if we're going to do it again, I would go back to the same people because I think they they I like the Santa Barbara they did uh, wineries right. out there. Really laid back. The more I'm tasting, I think it's a, it's a great like It's getting better to me too. Every every day or kind of like a I don't know. It's light. It does a trick. I'm into it. Now that we're into the red wines, we can get into the... Um, the red vines? The red vines and the hot tamales that I brought. Hot tamales. Is that is that the pairing that we need to do yeah, with this? Yeah, okay. the pairing. Hot tamales oh, let, me, let me get a little hot tamale wine. then. As we're jumping around on things real quick, I want to get back to a couple of things. Most people will probably know you as Joe Escalante, the bass player for the Vandals. We already know that you were the drummer first. We've gone through a, a few things. But one of the things that... Um, I was curious about is when you started uh, Kung Fu Records, mm-hmm. and um, and, it, and then there was there's some stuff with uh, uh, Nitro Records as well that you guys had involvement with. That was you signed to Nitro, right? Yes. Uh, fill me in on on those that side of of, of your business savvy. Um. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. I think I'm working at CBS, and we had put Fear of a Punk Planet out on Triple X Records, which was a record that had some, uh, they're famous for Jane's Addiction. Okay. Uh, they had some adolescents and stuff like that. And we had recorded the Fear of a Punk Planet was paid for by Enigma Records, which is the Motley Crue mm-hmm. uh, record label of the late 80s, mid 80s, whatever. And then during the recording of Fear of a Punk Planet, I think it was done recording and the label was going out of business. Okay. This is, it's going out of business. And we, we're trying to finish it and get everything done. And they say, we have no more money to, to record records. We, 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 we have to wait until quarter number three or whatever, quarter number one of first Q1, some corporate garbage language they're telling me. Okay. And I go, wow, it sucks, you know, because you record this record, you want it to come out. So they tell us they can't fin- they can't um, release the record. I think it's done. They can't release it because they, they have no money. And then all of a sudden we find out they poured all their money into, they released another record from some band called The Zeros. And they were like purple-haired, glam- Sensation. Okay. They play a show at the whiskey and they paint the whiskey purple. Okay. And we're like. And there's zeros. The purple zeros. Yeah, purple zeros. So they're called the zeros, but there was an old punk band called the zeros. They're not to be confused with that. This is the flash in the pan novelty zeros. Okay. And they're putting their money into a flash in the pan novelty thing and they're, and they're not um, finishing our record. So we're pissed. Yeah, naturally. And we're like, not only did they tell us they have no money, they put a bunch of money into this thing, <laughs> which, which offended us. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, lick our wounds and all of a sudden I get a phone call from someone that says, Hey, I got a bunch of tapes sitting around here. Say the vandals on them. You got to come and pick them up. Cause you know, they can't just sit around here forever. I go, I'll be right there. Yeah. And I go pick up the two inch reels from the record that these guys wouldn't put out. Brilliant. And I gave them to triple X and I said, you put them out. You fight with these guys. And then they, you know, we made a deal and they put it out, fought with those guys, you know, it got a little bit ugly and uh, we put that record out. I learned a little bit about the music industry. I don't want to release a record. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to start a record label. I never did. And then at that point, I'm like, wow, this is, I kind of see how it works and I'm kind of learning. Maybe I should. Fat Mike is now, NoFX is now huge. Mm -hmm. Fat Mike is my old friend from summer camp. Uh, he'll tell you the story. I played his first punk rock records for. I mean, I, I mean, he learned about punk rock from me at summer camp. That's incredible. And he was 
he was uh, from Beverly Hills High School. I'm from Orange County. We didn't know each other other than being at camp. And the camp, okay. And then he um, he was the only guy that would listen to my records with you know interest. Other people thought I was a deviant there. I'd gone to that camp since I was 11. What camp is this? I'm sorry. It's called Mountain Meadow Ranch. Okay. And it's um, what was the camp for? Uh, for children about to be molested. <laughs> I think that's camp everywhere. That, that's okay. That's not true. That's a that's an Anthony Jeselnik joke. But you set me up for it so well. I I, I felt like for a second I was Anthony. I mean, Jeselnik. I mean, you, you you went into character there. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Now it's like a, it's a rich kid camp that I ended up at because um, my mom felt sorry for me because I wanted to be a basketball star and I was going to basketball camps and she finally realized I'm never going to grow. So she said, "You want to go to the rich kid camp that your sisters." rich boyfriend's family goes to? Well, hell yeah. Yeah. I've heard all about that camp. <laughs> I can make a lot of contacts. Yeah. <laughs> so I was 11, I started going to this camp. And then uh, uh, when I'm 16, I'm working there as a ranch hand. Cause my ranch mom, hand? Yeah, because my mom can't afford to just keep sending me as a, as a, as a camper. So I, I, I end up working there. And um, hey, building fences, doing hay, mm-hmm. trenches, Post holes, retaining walls. It's all all feed good. Pigs. All good things to know, though. Yeah, all good things to know. Yeah, so that's where I meet Fat Mike, and then, you know but that comes later. Like he's just like comes up to me, and goes, "Hey, it's me, Mike Burkett <laughs> from camp." And, like, <laughs> and then that and that's the uh, that's the spot on uh, voice. It's exactly how he sounded. <laughs> and I was with him two days ago, and he still sounds the same way. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> still sounds the same way. Um. <laughs> All right, so before we got into the summer camp in the middle of stations, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we were still talking about Nitro and Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. Fat Mike is the one trying to tell me I should start a label. He's the one that's telling you. Did, yeah. w- was this before he did Fat Records? Or no, was he's got after? Fat Records. He's, he's, making, a, he's making millions of dollars. Yeah. And he's like, start a great label, bands like, like Start Ragen. a label. And he tells me this. <laughs> start a label. I used to give him advice. Now he's giving me advice. Yeah. Start a label. Sign only... Bands with good songs. Don't sign any bands that you think you will make money on. Only sign bands with good songs. So if you listen to anything on Kung Fu Records, everything they're all good songs. Mm-hmm. Some of it didn't make money. A lot of it did. But that's all good songs. So that was really good advice and that's, yeah. from Fat Mike and good advice to any label. Uh, Absolutely. Anywhere. So we, um, I'm at CBS. Uh, great. You know, four years. I'm there like sooner in my career than I'm supposed to be because you're supposed to have this big legal career and then you can go to the network. Mm-hmm. And um, through a, probably because I'm in this punk rock band and I met different people. And um, I, I actually I wrote a big law review article on the ASCAP BMI conflict with the networks. Okay. It started in like the 30s. Uh, I, so I wrote this article. No one ever read it, but I would show it. To, I showed it to the people at CBS, and they go, "Okay, you can have an internship." And then they hired me in the business affairs department, which is not even a, you don't even have to be a lawyer to be in that department. You're just negotiating deals. Okay. And so I'm in there, four years. One of my biggest jobs there is is Chuck Norris. Oh, and, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Anyway. Uh, okay, we're going to get there later. Okay. It's almost as if you're reading my whiteboard. I know. So, uh, I don't know. When you ask about starting Kung Fu Records, I started it because they gave me a different job at, uh, or Les Moonves, who's very uh, famous right now. Les Moonves gave me a, he assigned me a different task at CBS from making, from producing shows in house to licensing shows from other studios. When I was producing shows in house, I was making all the deals for all the writers, all the actors, all the directors, casting directors, uh, supervising the the spending that went on in these shows. And then Les Moonves came in and said, you're uh, more experienced than these other people. You should be making deals with outside suppliers like Warner Brothers and CBS and Disney. And that's because he came from Warner Brothers. He thought that was more important. So my job changed overnight and it was boring. Basically, I started a record label. Fill the time. <laughs> and Fat Mike is telling me I should start a record label. Okay, so that's why. That's why. Yeah, so I started a record label. So, so the the reason why I want to ask about the Kung Fu record stuff too is, um, I remember getting a lot of around here. I got a lot of the Kung Fu record compilations. Yeah. 
That's a, you know, and I love those compilations. You make those compilations. I found uh, several bands from there. Fat, Epitaph, just a model that I'm following. The same, yeah, Epitaph and Fat. I'd fi- you, I I'm got just trying to be. I'm just too. trying to be number three. Mm. You mentioned several times um, in the last uh, questionnaire part um, that you worked for CBS, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to get into. Um, this is the part where, as I mentioned when we were hanging out for Brooks's uh, birthday, mm-hmm. some stuff that I didn't know about you. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of the stories that we just got into that I, I wasn't privy to before, but I, I knew you as uh, Joe Escalante of the Vandals and Kung Fu Records. What I didn't know you as is the uh, like this, TV. This guy was a network executive? Where, yeah. Where does that fit in? Yeah. That's, I, I, was, I, was, I was blown away at that point. And, um, so I did a little bit of research, but I just really want to ask you a few questions about this. So like... You're coming out of law school and you get into CBS. Finish mm-hmm. the finish the story for me there. Yeah, when I got to law school, I was there. Um, you know, I kind of just people who go to law school are, I think, people who are kind of like overachievers who are kind of lost and don't know what to do in their life. There's a couple levels. <laughs> Lower than that, if you're like not really an overachiever but an achiever, okay, you end up teaching. Get a teaching credential and teach. You're an achiever, but if you're a little bit of an overachiever, you go to law school. But both of these levels don't know what the hell they're doing, and they don't know what the job is. They just think it's a job. Um, and you go to law school, and then when you're there, you realize, like, this job is stupid. It sucks. I'm never going to do it. So I kind of kept that to myself, and I thought, well, at least I could use this job to get into a good career, and my which I thought was television for me because I love television more than anything, way more than music. Way more than music. So yeah. this was this was a passion before yeah, any of the yeah. anything else. Oh yeah, so for sure, television. That's I so lucked cool. into music, but television is what I really liked. And this concludes part two of my conversation with Joe. And on Friday, I will drop the third and final episode of this trilogy. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so that the episode will automatically update in your library. And while you're at it, leave a comment, give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So till next time, cheers. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like Get down! The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.